0: Praise the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John chapter 1. And so we covered the introduction of 1 John a couple weeks ago. This morning we're jumping into the text in earnest, and uh, I'm excited about this series. Uh, you know, by God's grace, we'll we'll see this morning uh, how the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of our joy. The joy of fellowship with the Word is the title of my sermon this morning. And uh, and so again, if you have a Bible, be turned to the book of uh, 1 John in the back of your New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one, hopefully from the seat rack in front of you or near you. There should be a Bible that uh, we produced right here at HBF that you can pull out. Turn toward the back, you'll see 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, uh, Jude, and Revelation. So uh, you might even want to start in the back and go forward till you find 1 John if you're not familiar with the Bible. It's a little epistle, five chapters, and I uh, want to just uh, uh, kind of orient you there. And as you're getting there, I just want to again welcome you here this morning and if you're joining us uh, live this morning, we're thankful that you are with us uh, this morning. And I want to especially send out a shout out to those watching online. Uh, we have folks watching online, not because of COVID, but some because of cancer. And uh, I uh, I regret that I, I have to share a, again another cancer update. Uh, last uh, I think it was last week I mentioned that Gail Newland and Rodney are enduring um, leukemia, and they've given her a prognosis of four to six months, and so we're praying for them. Uh, and also uh, Gwen Arnie. Asked me to share this morning uh, that that we would pray for him. Uh, Many of you have already been praying for his surgery that was scheduled on May 25th. Uh, That surgery's been uh, postponed. Uh, They have found that he has another strain of cancer that's uh, aggressive, and so they are going to—Monday he goes in for the plan, and they'll get started on that immediately on treating that. So he'd ask that you pray for him as uh, they need to take care of that uh, particular cancer uh, before they address his kidney. Uh, So— his family uh, found out over the weekend. So just be praying for their whole family. That's that's tough. It's like, uh, it's you know, he just got a great report, you know, on uh, the lymphoma, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he was clear. And then he turns around within a week and, you know, he's battling another battle. So keep Wayne and, and Betty and, and their family in your prayer. And I know you will. Uh, you know, amid amid those types of reports, it's kind of hard sometimes. You know, I thought, man, God, that's that's your providence. He wants us to talk about joy this morning. Uh, because today's a, it's a, kind of a strange day. You know, on one hand, we have uh, folks struggling with these real battles, um, that's heavy. On the other hand, we have folks graduating. You know, from high school and there's graduation parties all over the place, and it's exciting to see young people, you know, reach that uh, that plateau and um, and uh, at least that benchmark, I should probably say. And, and uh, you know, as they look forward to their future. And so we live in a time, you know, where there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people feel threatened and. Some people even feel scared. Uh, there's people with lacking lack of hope. They don't really have a lot of hope or joy in their heart. And so in days like these, um, you know, really it's the question is, where are you going to find joy and do you really have joy? <clears throat> and uh, if you're asking that question, you're asking good questions because that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the joy of our fellowship in the word of God. It's not based on our circumstances, is it? Our joy is not based on circumstances. Our circumstances change. They can be good and they can be bad, but that doesn't mean we have to lose our joy. Conversely, we can be happy with all the things happening around us and then have this aching emptiness in our heart that cannot be filled because we don't have joy. We don't have the joy that God would have for us. And as, as you get older in life, you, know, you find out that, that uh, when you get what you want, it's never what you wanted. Right? It's, it's never enough, and you always want to have more because really what we're designed to be filled with Is the Holy Spirit of God. God wants to indwell our bodies, and the only way to get that to happen is to trust Him as Lord and Savior, and to give up. But most most people don't want to give up. They don't want to let go. Uh, They want to keep grabbing on. From the time of our birth, we're always clutching for things, right? And we're grabbing on. But to get saved, you got to let go and let God have you, because He gave up His life on the cross for you. So joy comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that this morning. And though we face difficult circumstances, circumstances uh, that make us happy, circumstances that make us sad, we can still have joy because of our fellowship uh, in the Word of God. So joy is not found in our circumstances. It's found in a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, uh, he is the one. And that's why John wrote this epistle of 1 John, because there were people that were trying to rob the saints of their joy. Saints are people who are born again. Whether Jew or Greek, it didn't matter, Uh Uh, John is writing to the Christians and he's saying, hey, listen, I I need you guys to have your joy because people were teaching things that were robbing them of their joy, that were making them question the authenticity of the Lord Jesus Christ's own record and the witnesses that God had given. And and conversely, God was using this opportunity uh, to solidify in writing his mind so that we today, right now in this time of history, would have his words and have the certainty of his words in our possession. He wanted the saints to receive this epistle and have the full measure of joy, right? This morning, I pray that you receive this message and have a full measure of joy, because false doctrine has been robbing people of their relationship with Christ for 2,000 years. That's the devil's ploy, and even longer than that, almost 6,000 years now. Uh, And so, you know, maybe we've been watching too much television, too much internet, too much social media, right? There's things, other messages that come in our hearts and our minds, other media that rob us of our joy. So don't allow that to happen. Be full of joy this morning. Are you full of joy this morning? That's a good question. I hope. Amen. I hope you are. And be honest about that, and you don't have to yell yay or nay. Uh, But in your heart, right, you know, are you really, do you have the joy of the Lord? Because really my goal is pretty simple here today, is I want every person sitting here or everybody watching online, when you leave here, you are full of the joy of the Lord, regardless of your circumstances. That you, are, that you are, and if you're not, you will do what it takes to be full, right? To be full of the joy of the Lord. And I'll give you the instructions on that here as we go. And so if you have your Bible, let's do this. I know uh, you had a little longer to stand than, than uh, usual, so, or to sit, I'm sorry. So I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word this morning. And, uh, and, and let's look at the text. We're only going to go through the first four verses, but that's plenty in the time that we have. Okay, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we endeavor to get into the Word of God, that you would quicken your Word this morning, quicken our understanding. Your Word is alive. I pray, God, that we would be brought to life through the preaching, the teaching, and most importantly, Lord, the application, Lord. I pray, God, that your Word would meld with our hearts, uh, Lord, once more and quicken us in a way that would encourage us in joy of the Lord, that would be our strength and get us out the door today as lights in the and uh, in a perverse place. Lord, help us to be a bright light shining in the midst of darkness. Help us to be full of the joy of the Lord for your honor and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you an acrostic to remember the overview of First John. And of course, the first point was the Godhead is one. And, uh, and so the second one was John was the author of the, or the apostle John was the author of this epistle. And uh, and then we talked about the opposition, both from within and without, and how to walk in the light and have fellowship with the Lord, which is the key of this book. And, of course, not breaking fellowship. That was the last part of that. Today, I'm just going to make it a lot simpler than that. It's a lot easier even than that acronym. And and the key, the, the key to having joy is going to be revealed uh, very simply through an acronym with, starting with J. Uh, and the first one is J, Jesus. He's a joy. Yeah, we need to find joy in Jesus. Joy joy is found in Jesus. On your outline it's the fill in the blank there is Jesus. So in first John one and verse one, the Bible says that which was from the beginning, of which we have heard, which we have seen with with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. John is talking about his partaking of this uh, his relationship with the Lord. He's handled of the word of life. Have you handled of the word of life? You know, it doesn't sound like good English, but it is because it's what God wants to say. Uh, the joy of the Lord, right? Joy is found in knowing who Jesus is. There's a ton packed in this passage. I'm going to try to unpack it as quickly as I can for time's sakes. Number one, Jesus is God. He is the creator. You see that here. He says, in the beginning. Uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 1. I'm going to have you turn in a little bit as well. John, chapter 1. Uh, of course, that is the fourth book of the New Testament. John, chapter 1. And a very familiar passage to many of you, but I want you to lay eyes on these passages once again. I, I could quote it, most of you, many of you could quote it with me, but I don't want to quote it, I want to read it. I want us to take a little time and look at what the Word of God says this morning. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. See what's being pointed out here is that Jesus Christ, obviously he is the word, but he's also the creator. He's in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning. Right? The the second or the third word into the Bible is beginning. And, uh, and we understand that in the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. Heaven singular because Satan hadn't fallen. And God created everything perfectly at that time. But something happened between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. I'm not going to get into that this morning. It's the fall of Satan. We can talk about that another time. But my point is simply this. In the beginning, Jesus was there. Uh, in Proverbs eight twenty two through 31, the Bible describes what it was like for the Godhead to create all things. I don't have time to, that'd be a Bible study unto itself, but it, I got that reference. Uh, Proverbs eight twenty two through 31, you might want to look that up after the service. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says, But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet thou <clears throat> out of thee shalt come forth unto me, that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting. Many of us have heard that verse, and we think about the coming of Christ at his incarnation, as we should, because it was in Bethlehem in which Jesus Christ was born, and we celebrate that at Christmas. But one of the things that's in that passage in Micah 5, two is the, very, the last two words. It mentions that, that he's old. He's so old, he's from everlasting, the one who's going to be ruler of Israel. Well, who is that? Well, that is God. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He was in the beginning, and he was manifest in in the flesh at his birth, when his at his incarnation. In John chapter eight and verse fifty-eight, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And of course Jesus spoke to Moses. And when Moses said, Who's gonna who am I gonna tell sent me to Pharaoh? He says, Well, tell him I am sent thee. Right? Jesus Christ is the great I am. In John seventeen and verse five, the Bible says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee when? Before the world was, right? That's eternity past. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ was in the beginning. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. That's point two. John chapter one, right here in John chapter one, look down at verse 14, see what the text says. Again, you see this word, this uh, personal pronoun, uh, capital W-O-R-D in verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word, right? The word that was in the beginning was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this is literally the apostle John writing this, and he is talking about Jesus' earthly ministry, and and not only his incarnation, but the ministry. He spent three and a half years with Jesus, and uh, and he witnessed uh, all the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. John also later, at the end of his life, In about 93 AD, 96 AD, he receives a vision, uh, he receives the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, on the Isle of Patmos. And in Revelation chapter 1, in that very introductory chapter where Jesus Christ is on display, he says, I am the Alpha, or I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and was and which is to come, the Almighty Jesus Christ, the one that was in the beginning, the one that, that John was hanging out with on the Sea of Galilee, was the God of the universe, which is just wild to think about. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11 goes on to say, again, Jesus speaking, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book. Take what I'm telling you and put it in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia unto the Odyssea. Beloved, we have God's word, and we have it in a book, not just the book of Revelation, but the whole counsel of God's word, all sixty-six books. In Revelation one and verse seventeen the text says, And when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead and laid, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold I am alive evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. He has the keys of hell and death. Jesus Christ is victorious. Jesus Christ was in the beginning, right? Jesus Christ is God, manifest in the flesh. To deny the incarnation of Jesus is to deny Jesus. And that is exactly what was going on in the first century. That's exactly what was going on toward the end of the first century, into the second century, into the third century Gnosticism was going crazy, and people were saying, well, Jesus wasn't really materially here. He was just a spiritual person. And John is saying, no, that's not actually accurate at all. I, I was with him. I, I handled him. Our hands have handled of the word of life. You say, man, what that would be like to handle the word of life? Well, beloved, I just want you to know you have the words of life right here in your lap. You can handle the words of life. His work, you know, John was able to see his work on the cross, his power over the grave. John is establishing right off the bat that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. So Jesus is not just God manifest in the flesh. And I could go on with, with examples of who Jesus is, but these are just three simple ones I'm pulling out. He's also the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19. Now turn to Revelation 19. And uh, again, I quote this a lot, but I want us to look at it again this morning. I don't want to just quote it and keep moving. I want us to see what's being said here. Revelation 19 and verse 11, every passage I've had you turn to has given Jesus this name, the Word, capital W, and it's no different in Revelation 19 and verse 11. The Bible says in Revelation 19 and verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold, a white And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And here it comes. And his name is called the Word of God. That's his name. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. I went a little bit further than I was going to. But I want you to see that that passage because Jesus Christ is going to come back. And when Jesus comes back, I want you to know his name is the word of God. This is the same word of God that John was saying, look, I have handled, we have handled the word of God. We have handled Christ manifest in the flesh. We know him personally and we want you to know him and we want your fellowship to be full. We want you to know the Word of God. You know, we say that a lot around here. Do you know the Word of God? I don't mean do you know intellectually information about the Word of God. I'm not asking are you looking at someone's baseball card and finding out how many home runs they've hit. I'm saying do you know the Word of God? John knew the Word of God. He knew Jesus intimately. And it was his heart's desire and prayer that the people that he was writing to would understand that they could know Jesus. And that would be the joy Of their heart, that would be the joy of their soul, that would be the thing that would get them through anything that would come because they were getting ready and getting fixed to to face ten Roman persecutions. And he understood that they needed to know Jesus, not just know about Jesus, not just know information about Jesus, not to speculate all these other these crazy doctrines about Jesus, but to know him and the power of his resurrection, being made conformable to his death. The statistical probability of Jesus' first coming was in itself miraculous. Nick Caddy wrote the following on February 18th of 2020. He says, according to one calculation, there are 332 Messianic prophecies from the, from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, which Jesus fulfilled. That's just the Old Testament. <clears throat> this is why the Dead Sea Scrolls are such a big deal. They date back about 100 years before the birth of Jesus, which shows us that the, the prophecies which Jesus fulfilled were indeed written before his birth and were no later later redactions or additions. So Professor Peter W. Stoner was a a chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College and chairman of the Science Division at Westmont College. And in his book, Science Speaks, Professor Stoner outlines mathematical probability of one person in the first century fulfilling just eight of the most clear and straightforward Messianic prophecies, eight out of 332. Josh and uh, Sean McDowell quote Stoner in their book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And this is what they say. We find that the chance that any man might have lived uh, down uh, uh, to the present time and fulfilled all eight prophecies is one out of uh, 1,017. One, and I think that's 100 billion. That's a statistical probability. So in the case that you're wondering, the Mega Millions uh, uh, lottery had a $1.6 billion jackpot in October of 2018, and the odds of winning it were, were 1 in seventy five, three hundred fifty thousand. Not that you care about all those numbers. The point is simply this. Stoner went on to calculate the probability of one person fulfilling 48 prophecies was basically impossible. 1 in 10,157. That's, and that's uh, it's impossible. And when they, they magnify that out, it gets even bigger. So in the case um, that you're – in case we're questioning whether Professor Stoner's math was wrong, uh, Harold Hartzler, Ph.D. of American Scientific Affiliation of Goshen, Goshen College, writes in the board of Stoner's book, the manuscripts for science speaks uh, – has have been carefully reviewed by a committee of the American Scientific Affiliation members and the Executive Council, and the same group has been found – uh, in general, to be dependable and accurate in regards to the scientific material presented, the mathematical analysis included is based upon principles of probability which are thoroughly sound. And Professor Stoner has applied these principles in a proper and convincing way. Now, this is the news I want to give you. You don't have to do a math equation to figure out the reality of Jesus. And that's what, Je- that's what John's writing about. He's like, look, I've spent time with Jesus. You know the way this thing works? You know Jesus, you're filled with the joy, and then what, guess what? You introduce him to somebody. I know Steve Fleshman. Do you want to meet him? Right. I know my wife. Would you like to meet her? I can. I can. They're right here. Right. John's like, hey, I know Jesus. Would you like to? Would you like to know him? Right. You, well, how do we know who Jesus is? Well, we have the Word of God. God has given us His words. We know Him, and the more we believe Him, the more we understand who He is. There are many more prophecies of Jesus' second coming than His first coming, and you can. You can bank on the fact that Jesus will return just as he promised, not because of the statistical improbability, but because of the reality that Jesus Christ always keeps his word. He keeps his word. So we know who the word is, but do we have a relationship with him? That's a good question. So point B, joy is found in having a relationship with Jesus. In in this text, in in verse 1, the Bible says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen." which our eyes, with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. John's relationship with the word was very personal. John followed Jesus since the baptism of John the Baptist and was uh, with him uh, as he performed his first miracle in Canaan of Galilee. John spent three and a half years in Jesus' school of discipleship, walking with him, talking with him, hearing him, seeing him, beholding him, and embracing him. He was with, with him in Matthew 17 when he was transfigured before Peter and James. John was with Jesus at the final Passover feast. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane with him as he, failing I might add, as Jesus prayed. Now my voice is failing, hang on. I need to crank it up with all this rain. So, uh, so he, was, he was with him in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was with him at the cross. He's the only one that made it to the cross as he was entrusted with uh, Mary, the biological mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he, she was given to his care. He was with Jesus in the upper room. And 40 days before his ascension. And the ascension as he watched Jesus lift. He, he, 40 days after uh, Jesus' resurrection. I should, yeah, 40 days later, Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1. And John was there to watch Jesus go up in the clouds. And the promise is that he will return in the same fashion. So John's relationship with the word was mutual. It wasn't just personal. It was mutual. Uh, it, was, it was shared with others. <clears throat> it was not just John. The text is not written um, as me, but we. Remember, right? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Not me, we. Who is we? Does he got a mouse in his pocket? That's a good question. So John is talking about <clears throat> the apostles, right? The 12 apostles. But not just the 12 apostles. There were multitudes of disciples during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ who participated in Jesus Christ. And then there were many converts uh, as well that came after. Paul wrote um, uh, to the Corinthians uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says there are over 500 witnesses of Jesus' ministry. And that's in the 50 AD era. And and so there were still 500 people you could go and talk to and say, oh, yeah, I, I saw Jesus. I knew Jesus. Yeah, I saw Jesus. People saw Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. It was very personal, but it was mutual. Jesus didn't just uh, come for a few. He came for all that would call upon his name. John was addressing this letter to some of the, the elder fathers in the churches who had also participated in the earthly ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, uh, he says this in verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, why? Because ye have known him that is from the beginning. And we often take that in a devotional context today, right? Because we're older and we've known him from the beginning. But what is John really saying? He's saying, look, hey, you fathers, you fathers, you, you knew Jesus from the beginning. You knew him from the, not the beginning of creation in Genesis 1, but you knew him from the beginning of his ministry when John the Baptist was calling out saying, behold, the Lamb of God. You saw Jesus walking around Jerusalem. You, you fathers know who Jesus is. You know him just like I know him. We have a personal relationship. It's also mutual. But John's relationship with the word of life brought joy because it was empirical. Empirical means that it's tangible, it's measurable, there's evidence. He wasn't buying the baloney that Jesus Christ was some spirit being that had no physical form or presence. He was saying no, that's by the way what Islam teaches many times. That is not what John was teaching and that's not what John was believing. Why? Because he had empirical evidence. He had, he had, listen to me beloved, he had handled the Word of God. You know why so many people today do not believe in who Jesus Christ is? They do not believe what the Bible says? Because they have never handled the Word of God. They have not taken 10 minutes to open up this Bible and read it for themselves. They've never compared Scripture with Scripture. They've never taken God's Word at its face value and just believed it and yet they'll shoot out the lip all day long and talk about how God's word doesn't, uh, that, that God's character's flawed because of this in the Bible and that in the Bible or it's just some old book that has no credibility, yet they have never, ever actually handled the word of God. That's frustrating. I used to listen to those things and hear those things and... And there was always something in the back of my mind that's like, I just don't know. I just don't know. But you you know what convinced me? You know why I'm up here like a wild man preaching the word of God this morning? Because one day somebody opened up a Bible. They didn't just talk about how to be saved. They opened up the Bible and they pointed me to the words. And I looked at the words and I read the words of God. And you know who convinced me of the words of God? It was Jesus Christ himself. The Holy Spirit of God is the teacher. He teaches us all things whatsoever he has said to us. God, God, God is so awesome. I didn't believe any more than any other atheist, but you know what? God convinced me from His Word. And you can say, "Well, that's circular reasoning," and that's and all this and that. But let me tell you, beloved, when you handle the Word of God, it in itself is empirical evidence. You spend enough time with the Word of God, you know this book is holy, holy, holy. There's no man putting it together over all these years, all these different authors, and it goes together perfectly. There's no way the prophecies could be fulfilled, and not just the prophecies that have been fulfilled, the ones that are right around the corner, the ones that are taking place in Israel right now as I speak. Beloved, we're living the history of this book as I speak. How is it that we don't believe in the Word of God when we have the empirical evidence? John had the empirical evidence. That which we have heard, we see in the Gospel of John, Chapters 13 through 17, this discourse that Jesus was speaking to his disciples as he spoke with them, and they heard all the things Jesus came to accomplish as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That which we have seen with our eyes. When John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, there were some disciples that obeyed, and they looked upon Jesus with their eyes. They investigated, and they vetted Jesus. Hey, that's okay. They were skeptical. Jesus, is like, sure, come and see. Come and, 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 and behold with your eyes. See what I'm all about. In John chapter 1 and verse 39, it says, And he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and they saw where he dwelled and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. In John 1 and verse 46, the Bible says, And Nathaniel said unto him, Come and uh, or can, any, can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, Come and see. Come and see. You say, "Well, Brian, I don't believe your claims." Well, great. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see yourself. He will convince you. Uh, he goes on to say, "Which was uh, which we have looked upon, which was different. Uh, that's different between what we have seen." Uh, I looked at that. And I was like, I "Wonder what the distinctions is." There's there is a distinction, and so we need to know what that means. And so what what the difference is between uh, having uh, have seen and looked upon. And to have seen means to investigate. And to look upon means to behold or witness. When the disciples met Jesus, they investigated where he lived. But when Jesus ascended, the apostle beheld Jesus ascend, the apostles, I'm sorry, beheld Jesus ascend into the heaven. In Acts one ten, the Bible says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. You get it, right? They're like, Hey guys, why are you standing here? What are they doing? Gazing. They're just like, Whoa. Man, they are, they, are, they are looking upon the Lord. They've had enough of, of uh, investigating. They believe him completely. Now they're just in complete awe of who Jesus is. They're like, whoa, dude. That's what they would have said if they were me. Dude, I don't know. I mean, this is awesome in the true sense of the word, Jeff. They were going, whoa. They have looked upon him, and they know who he is. They know what he's about, and they see him going to heaven. They're like gazing, just going, wow. They're in awe of who Jesus is. Man, are you in awe who Jesus is this morning? Maybe you bought into some definition of Jesus, some personification of Jesus that's not even in the Bible. Man, we need to throw away all this stuff and get with Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. It's a personal relationship. It's a mutual relationship. It's a it's a relationship that gives you empirical evidence. You know him in the power of his resurrection. They looked upon him. When the disciples met Jesus, they investigated where he lived. But when Jesus ascended, the apostles beheld Jesus ascending into heaven. It says in verse 10 of Acts 1, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. The contrast to looking upon and beholding Jesus is found in John 20, verses 24 through 29. remember Thomas? He was doubting, right? And he was commanded by Jesus to examine the resurrected word of God. And you know what he did? When he did that, he became full of faith. In John 20 and verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me. Thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me, yet have believed. Beloved, that would be us. John the Baptist introduced Jesus by saying, Behold the Lamb of God. John was fully persuaded. He knew exactly who Jesus was. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The disciples did more than behold the Lamb of God. John goes on to say, You know what? Man, we we have, we have handled him. I mean we have we have embraced him. We have touched him. We have I'm writing to you because Jesus is he he was he was here in the flesh. Our hands have handled the word of life. Here John is referencing the physical nature of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They not only handled Jesus before his crucifixion, they handled him after his resurrection. We know this because Jesus had had a, a window of time before he uh, after the resurrection before he ascended to the third heaven where Mary wanted to touch him. He's like, oh, which number one tells you one thing. They were accustomed to touching Jesus. Mary had no problems going to touch Jesus. He's like, no, stop right there. I've not yet ascended to my father, right? And just within an hour, or so he goes to the third heaven, presents himself as the high priest and, atones, uh, and atoning for our sins, and then he comes right back, through the just like going into the temple, the Holy of Holies, and he comes out. And he's back on earth, walking on the road to Emmaus, talking to disciples that need to understand that who he really is, is God manifest in the flesh. People that had already walked with him, people that already handled him. But you know what? Some of us, even though we've believed and even though we've received, sometimes you've got to go back and have some dinner with Jesus. And, of course, as he disappears in front of them, they finally realize, whoa, the word of God, as he's preaching the word of God, as he's speaking his words to them, it wasn't his physical presence that convinced them. It was what he said. It was quoting from the Old Testament scriptures. It was putting it all together. It was the word of God. The word of God. The word of God. They've handled the word of God. We know this because Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, <clears throat> I'm getting off my notes. So Jesus Christ uh, was, was fellowshipping. Jesus was able to travel through light years uh, and return so what, that he could do this. He could fellowship. With his disciples. He didn't come back and and bust into the the Pharisees and the Sadducees office and say, hey guys, I'm back. He didn't go and grab Pilate by the neck and say, hey, what do you think you were doing? He'll do that later. The point is simply this. He comes back and what's he do? He spends time with his disciples. fellowshipping with the the ones he's sending. Beloved, God wants our fellowship. Joy is found in identifying Jesus. In John 1 there, the last thing he says in verse 1 is we handled of the word of life. Handled of the word of life. Joy is found in knowing who Jesus is, having a relationship with Jesus through interacting with him and identifying Jesus properly as the word. By the way, capital W, proper noun, of God. For 2,000 years, God has revealed to the church through John (coughs) where to meet with Jesus. So you can hear him, see him with your own eyes, look upon him and handle him with your hands and know that you're handling of, listen to me, beloved, you're handling of the word of life. Where are you going to meet him? What do you think we're doing this morning? What do you think we're doing? Having, Having entertainment time? No, we come together on Sundays, the first day of the week, because we're doing what's been going on since Jesus resurrected from the grave. That same day, that same day, he was walking the road to Emmaus. That evening, he gathers in a room that's clothed, and he just closed, and he just, she just shows up. Boom, he's there. It's like, hey guys, what's up? Where's Thomas? Right, <laughs> he's not there. And the disciples are with him. They're hailing him. They're rejoicing with him. They're, they're identifying who he is. For two thousand years, God has re- revealed to the church through John where to meet with Jesus, so you can hear him and see him. How do you treat your Bible, beloved? Behold, Jesus and his words cannot be separated. He is perfect, and and you either have his words in your language or you do not. You either really believe that you got his words or you don't. You you, you either let someone take him away from you, or like John, you say, No, I have the words of God, and I'm handling them. You're either fellowshipping with the word of life or you're not. Joy is found in Jesus, and Jesus is found in the word. Hear him, see him, look upon him, handle him. He is the word of life. It is the word of life that leads you to the way of life. In John 14 and verse 6, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So the only other mention of the phrase word of life found in the Bible, you might know, is in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16. And here in the text, it's exactly the same <coughs> the same word, the word uh, translated from logos which is the greek word for word and is and it's not capitalized same phrase just not a capitalized word and this happens because the very same passage that is part of this church vision is trying to communicate something to us we want to have a faithful hold of the word of god the word of life until jesus returns philippians 2:16 says holding forth the word of life that i may rejoice in the day of christ that i have not run in vain neither labored in vain. Beloved, there's coming a day when Jesus is coming for the church. He's going to catch us away, and we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And all this stuff that I'm talking out of my mouth, Jesus is going to say, Brian Hedges, you are accountable for every word you said. Did you believe my word? Did you hold my word? Did you preach my word? Did you live my word? Brian, did, did you do, did you hold forth the word of life? And in that phrase, that, or in that in that passage, he uses, that's the only other place you see that that. Combined, the word of life, other than 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. Wait a minute. It's no accident that that this is exactly the way God would have it. Because you know in the same passage, if you go to verses 17 and 18, you would not be surprised because John and Paul got together and they said, you know, someday Brian's going to want to preach a message. And we're going to link this up because we know that this is going to be part of his vision for HBF. Of course not. So let me give you a little Jesus Jesus word to the church at Heartland this morning. When you look at verses 17 and 18 of Philippians chapter 2, you know what it's going to tell you? Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, the Apostle Paul speaking. You know what he says? I, I joy, I joy and rejoice with you all. And then he goes on in verse 18. For the same cause also do ye joy. So what's going on in here? Well, Paul is, is, is he, he's, and, and by the way, I, I just, I get, I'm just grooving on this, how God has done this in his word. I mean, God is saying, hey, the only place you're going to find this phrase, the word of life, Philippians 2.16, 1 John 1 and verse 1, and in both contexts, the issue is dealing with joy. So if you want to have joy, beloved, it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus, and so wait a minute now. Paul is, is getting ahead of me, so I better I better move my next point concerning uh, how to find joy because the first point is to spend time with Jesus. That's the J. So remember to prioritize Jesus. The first thing you do in the morning when, is is pray right to Jesus. Is that the first thing you do? Should be the first word you read in the morning should be the Word of God. The first thing you think about should not be Facebook or text messages or emails. Or the, or the voicemail or whatever is coming in your world, man. Think about Jesus. The first voice you hear in the morning needs to be Jesus. And if you want to have joy, make the word your, your life, make it your priority. Make not. I'm not talking about a song on the radio. I'm not talking about someone else's sermon. I'm not talking about plugging in my sermon and listening to it again because it stirred you up. I'm talking about you opening up this book and meeting with Jesus. Make him a priority. You, wanna, you say, I don't have any joy, man. Well, get some joy. He's right there in the word of God waiting for you. Waiting for you. But it doesn't just start with that. It's also others. Paul's already touched on it, so i got to move there quick. In Philippians chapter 2, 17 and 18, he's like, hey, this, this is about joy. Not just my joy, but the joy that I'm giving to you. Well, that's exactly what, the, it's amazing. That's exactly what John's talking about. In, in 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 2 He says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. We've talked about that. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, others, that ye may uh, also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus. So, point A, right? Others. Joy is found in sharing the word with others. Man, if you're not, you can't share the word with others if you haven't gotten it from the Lord, right? That's what this whole thing's about. Faithful men who are able to teach others also, not just in an academic sense. We're talking about a relational sense. People who know Jesus and can communicate with others. Not just the knowledge about Jesus, but the relationship, the personal relationship of Jesus. It all goes together. It goes hand in hand. And, and, and point A, witness to others of your relationship with the word. Tell people what you have been, that you have been with Jesus. Build a history with Jesus. John has given us history, past tense, of where he has been with Jesus. For the life was, past tense, manifested. And, and we have, uh, past tense, seen it. John is speaking of the time he and the apostles spent with Jesus in his earthly ministry. Witness today of who Jesus is to you. In John chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which shineth, or that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus Christ is the word of life, and he is the light of the world. John is doing for us what John the Baptist did for him. There was a day when John the Baptist stood up. And he wasn't just talking about how he knew Jesus as a kid. He stands up and he says, right now, this moment, I'm a witness. I'm telling you, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Would you know him? Would you behold him? Would you take him? Right, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be spending time with Jesus, but also prioritizing getting Jesus out to others. And I don't mean yesterday, I mean today. Today. Witness today. If you don't have a relationship with this book, you can't bear witness to others. That's the bottom line. I mean, God will use Balaam's ass. We know that. But the reality is, if you want to have a, a relationship with other people around the Word of God, you better spend some time with Jesus so that others can know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what Paul was all about, That's what we should be all about. If you don't have a relationship with this book, you'll have no joy. And you, by the way, people don't want to follow people that don't have any joy. I mean, just practically speaking, why would someone want to know Jesus? Do you have any joy, man? They're always Oh man, life is so hard. Economy's going to crash. Housing market's too high. All that's true, right? But that, our circumstances don't—they don't dictate the joy. But Jesus is Lord. He's the King of Kings. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's coming back. He's my Savior. He's—he's he's everything. And I've got his word, most importantly. If you don't have a relationship with this book, you're not going to have enough joy to give to anybody else because you don't have any yourself. You're a miserable child of God. And you can be a miserable child of God. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. People who literally are so caught up in their circumstances, they have no joy of the Lord. They don't really believe God has a victory because they're not spending time in the place they need to get the victory. So John says, before I go to that, we need to have a, a history with the word of life if we want to bring him into the, pre, into, uh, into the present and bear witness and show unto others eternal life. And that's exactly what he's talking about in First John chapter 1 and verse 2. So John says the word of life was with the Father and was manifested unto us. John is not just speaking of, of his incarnation at his birth. He's speaking of <clears throat> their time on the first day of the week. And the subsequent forty days when Jesus physically fellowshiped with the apostles and prepared them to fulfill the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And once you get that, he says, Ye shall bear witness, or ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all in the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received him out of their sight. In verse 33 of that same chapter, they go into Samaria, and the Bible says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received the Father, uh, the promises, promises the Holy Ghost, he hath set forth this, which ye now see and hear. I'm sorry, in the wrong chapter. That's, that's, uh, as that's in the Pentecost when they're preaching at, Pente- at the, the day of Pentecost. So they could see and hear who Jesus Christ was because they were indwelled with the Spirit of God, Christ in them, the hope of glory. Philippians two nine says, "Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name." So we know where Jesus is at. He's at the right hand of the Father. And the real reason we meet together on the first day of the week around the Word of Life is because we desire to have the joy that the disciples had when they fellowshiped with Jesus Himself after the resurrection of Christ. We used to sing a hymn. It said it was called "I Serve a Risen Savior." Anybody know that one? "I Serve a Risen Savior." He's in the world today. I know that he is with me, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Right? And then the refrain, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. A long life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. Hey, beloved, where does he live? He lives in your heart. That's right. You have the evidence, too. So we gather together because Jesus is the word of life and we want to be a witness to others of our relationship with the word. And when we do that, when we gather together around his word and we fellowship with Jesus, it does something to our soul and it sends us out to want to minister to others. So point B, declare unto others your fellowship with the word, not just a witness, but declare it. In First John chapter 1, and verse 3, he says, that which we have seen and heard, he says, declare we unto you. Right, That ye may also have fellowship with us. And true that our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John couldn't stand by and allow Satan to rob others of the joy of knowing the word of life. So he took things into his own hands and, and, uh, and, 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 he, and he, he was like saying, look guys, I have seen and I have heard and I have declared them unto the saints so they can enjoy the fellowship. I'm declaring this. You know what? When the United States was forming, uh, they had a declaration of independence. There was something holding them back, and they said, you know what? we got to declare that we're going to do something. It wasn't privately. It wasn't hid. It wasn't subversive. They just come out in the open and said, listen, we are no longer going this way. We're going to follow this way. Now, when it comes to Christ, there's a day where you're going to have to come out with it, right? You can't play both sides. You're going to have to be close enough with Christ that when you go to school, when you go to work, right, you can't play one thing here on Sunday and then play something else when you're out doing something else you got to be with Jesus 24-7. you got to be walking with him, talking with him, and declaring him, witnessing of him. You say, well, Brian, I don't want to do that. Well, guess what? You don't want to have joy. That's the truth. You want to hide in the house, circle up the wagons, wait for Jesus to come? You're going to be miserable. This is an offensive, brethren. God wants us to take his word and go forth. He didn't say retreat. He said go, 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 go right up into the clouds and meet Jesus in the air. We ain't got nothing to fear. Oh, well, what if they kill me? Well, what if they kill me? You know what Paul says? I count that a joy. I hope you're enjoying it too. Praise God. Let's go forward. That's called victory, beloved. I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Crazy love. And God loves us. So John couldn't stand by and allow Satan to rob the joy. When the fellowship with the word of when we fellowship with the word of life, we're fellowshipping with our Father in heaven. In John 14 7, Jesus said, If you had known me. You should have known my Father also. And that time will not allow me to read the rest of the text, but go back and read 7 through 11, and you'll see that discourse And Philip's asking about. How do I, how do we, we haven't seen the Father. And he's like, how, how long have you been with me, Jesus, the Word of God? If you've known me, you know the Father. Because these three are one. 1 John chapter 5 takes care of that. We'll get to that in a few weeks. We can only know Jesus works by knowing jesus words he says if you don't believe me then just see what i do but the bottom line is what jesus says is what he does his word is not that's why his name is the word of god he's the only man in history that actually kept his word every one of the rest of us is our liars men women and children included why because that's our nature that's why he had to redeem us point c so join in fellowship with the word In verse three, he says, that which was from which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So John wanted the saints to join in the same fellowship he had with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Not some metaphysical experience, but a tangible, personal relationship with the God of the universe. Let me just say, do you have that this morning? Amen. That's really the most important priority today. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you need to know him. And you need to know him quick. God wants to save you today. John, John wanted them to have this tangible relationship with the God of the universe. Think about that, beloved. You, If you're saved this morning, you have a tangible, you have a real relationship with the God of the universe. The ground under your feet, the sky above your head, uh, the, the, the things that make your body roll and move, however that happens, miraculously. right? All of that is under the control of God, and that is the relationship you have. You have that kind of relationship with that kind of power. And you know, he is so gracious, he wants to share it with everybody. Do you? Do you want to share it with everybody? That's God's desire. He's not my for no more. He wants everybody to be saved. Some of us need to return to the word, the word of life, because we can share him, so we can share him, I'm sorry, with others. You know, Lauren L. Harris, this is a blast from my past, uh, he wrote this song before I was ever saved, but I, I picked it up when I first got saved. And I was just thinking about it as I was going over this passage this morning, and Uh, So I want to quote some of it to you. It's called, I Miss My Time With You. Man, there's some beloved brothers, man. You're missing your time with Jesus. And as as the clock is ticking, you're missing your opportunity to have joy, to prioritize Jesus and to prioritize others. Lornell Harris said, I miss my time with you, the moments together. I uh, I need to be with you each day, but it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me When your spirit's empty, there's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. Now that sounds kind of syrupy, I know. You macho men may not like that, but I want you to know, it affects Jesus when we won't spend time with him. How personal do you want this relationship? It's pretty personal. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, he's your Lord. He's your Savior. Why, won't, why don't we spend time with him? Why do we allow Facebook or something else to rob our time with God of the universe? And you wonder why you don't have joy. You wonder why nobody's getting saved. And by the way, thank praise God, we do have joy and people are getting saved. But I'm talking to somebody out here. Well, I tell you what, if you're lacking fellowship with Christ and his word, you're going to be lacking some joy. There's times you cannot share the word of life with others because, well, we've forsaken our fellowship with Jesus. Perhaps this morning you're you're hearing the voice of Jesus on the shore of Galilee. And you know, man, you're with the gang, you're with everybody, you're at church, you're doing all the things you got to do, you're still fishing with the group, you're still eating with the group, you're still attending all the meetings with the group. I mean, you've been with Jesus for 40 days, you know Jesus is in the house. I mean, you're glad to be near him, but you're not with him. You're not riding with him. Hey, beloved, listen, wake up. He's calling from the seashore and he's saying, listen, come. Come and dine with me. Come and spend some time with me in my word. Come and eat the honey, man. Come and get a hold of the meat and get a hold of who I am and have a personal time with me. Maybe you've gone fishing. Maybe you've quit. But you're still here. Man, we actually, the pastors have a chart, don't we, Randy? We, we, We can actually tell when people start to decouple. And it all revolves around this word, fellowship. Fellowship with God, fellowship with others, fellowship in ministry. You can watch it. And man, it's like watching a train wreck sometimes in slow motion. You're just like, stop, stop, stop going through the motions. You know what's ironic? The last thing people check out of is, is, is ministry. There's people that are so far from Christ, it isn't even funny. But yet they'll show up and work with the kids or they'll show up and mow the grass or they'll show up and preach in a pulpit. Not, God forbid, that'd be me. But the point is simply this, it can happen. It can happen. One of the most impactful messages I've ever heard in my life was a, a guy, an evangelist named David Ripley. He got up and preached at a conference and that's what he talked about. He's leading people to Christ and he wasn't catching any fish. What was wrong? Fellowship. Fellowship. Well, God's gonna do what God does. It's his word, he's gonna bless it. The issue isn't is Jesus gonna do what he's gonna do. The issue is are you gonna do it with him? Are you gonna ride with him? Are you gonna are you gonna get out of the boat and spend some time with Jesus and make the word of God a priority? Because man, it's where it's at, beloved. I, I want to scream louder till it works, but just scream and don't get it done. It's gotta happen in the heart. We gotta make Jesus' words a priority. Or it's not going to be a priority to anybody else. We've been called into fellowship with God so we can fellowship with others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says, God is faithful. And praise God, he's faithful. By whom ye were called under the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is called Heartland Baptist Fellowship. We prioritize fellowship. But beloved, you've got to understand the call to fellowship starts with Jesus. So that we can fellowship with others. And lastly, we put ourselves on the back burner, don't we? Joy is found when you place Jesus ahead, or Jesus and others ahead of yourself. And this won't take me long, and I'll be done. First John chapter one and verse four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That's where we started. You know, Jesus spent time in the presence of the Word of uh, John Jesus. Uh, is the first word there. We need to spend time in the presence of the word of life. So make sure, if you want to have joy, spend time in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prioritize time in God's word. Rise up early and meet him in the scripture. John says, I want your joy to be full. Pray. Pray God's words. That's his will. Pray it back to him. In John chapter 16 and verse 24, he says, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask. And you shall receive that your joy may be full. It's not like, oh, God, bless me with money. Oh, God, bless you know, name it, claim it. It's like, hey, ask anything in my name. You ask according to God's word. He's going to, if you know his will, he's going to provide. Others. And you want to have joy, place others ahead of yourself. In John 15 and verse 10, the Bible says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Whose joy are we talking about here? Our joy? His joy. He says, I want my joy to remain in you. How do we get that joy? Well, you notice it's interesting. In, Ma- in the Galatians chapter 5, the second attribute of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. Joy. What we're talking about here is giving God place to work. The joy doesn't, you don't have to conjure up joy. You don't have to listen to music to get joy. Jesus, music is great, but I'm saying this. The reality is that the joy comes from the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, right? Jesus says, I want my joy to remain in you. So when we quench and we grieve the Spirit of God, guess what? We're quenching and grieving our joy. So we need to pray. We need to repent. We need to put ourselves in a position where. Where the Spirit of God is having full reign in our life, and we need to place others ahead of ourselves, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's tied to the great commandment, putting others ahead of ourselves. Joy is tied to that. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. And lastly, Yourself, the why, prioritize your life around God's word and God's people, and you'll find that you will have joy to spare. I remember as a young man, busy as a one-armed paper hanger, I was I was in ministry, just going crazy, just like I still am. But man, I I just remember coming through Psalm twenty-three, familiar passage to all of us, and that passage where he says, "Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies; thou anointest my head with oil, my cup." Runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, is our cup running over, beloved? The, the the reality is, is we can't give to others what we don't possess. Now, if you're saved, you've got the joy; he's inside of you. His name's Jesus, but he's not going to be activated if you put yourself ahead of all of other God's priorities. You got to have Jesus, others. And yourself last. You know, in Nehemiah chapter 8, some people heard the word of God and they were bummed. They are like, man, we have not done this the way God wanted us to do it. Uh, man, Brian, I, you came to give us joy, but I'm bummed because I'm convicted. But you know what's so cool about this? All you got to do is repent. God is right there, ready and waiting. You, you got a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. And just make a decision. He told, the, he told the folks in Nehemiah. Told the folks in, in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse ten. He says, "He says then said he unto them, Go your way, and eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for for uh, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, John was like, guys, you got you got to understand this. You can't allow other people to rob your your joy. The joy of the Lord is our Strength, focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, focus on others, and you know what? He'll fill your cup to overflowing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the recipe for joy this morning. It's very simple. We put Jesus first, others ahead of ourselves and ourselves last Lord. I pray Heavenly Father this morning that uh, we would just understand that, that God wants us to walk out of here full of the joy of the Lord, with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I just want to invite you to meet him in a personal way. Is there anybody that would say, Brian, that's me. I need to be saved this morning. I need to know this Jesus in a personal way. I want to be as convinced as you are about who he is and how I'm saved. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Well, let's stand together in attitude of prayer. I pray that this the question that we started with, are you full of joy? I pray that you really are. And I pray if you're not, you know what to do this morning. It's pretty simple. It's three simple things. And we can make that happen. So by God's grace, we can do that today. Anyone say, Brian, I just need some prayer today. Amen. Several of us. Let's pray for each other. Heavenly Father, lots of hands are going up to pray this morning. And uh, Lord, I have no idea all the needs in our church, but uh, you do. And Lord, I was just praying over these folks the other day. And Lord, you brought joy to my heart, thinking about all the faithful folks at HBF. And Lord, there's also some folks that are struggling. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that today would be encouraging as we understand that the word of God has been given to us in written form, that we may know you, or that we may have joy, that we may execute on what you've told us to do, that we may fellowship with you, that we may fellowship with one another, and that our joy would be full and overflowing. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that everyone that raised their hands, and even some that didn't, Lord, that you would just meet the needs. Lord, you always do. You've met our greatest need, which is eternal life. Lord, I pray, God, that we would just uh, do what we need to do to make you the priority in our life, Lord, that we would look out on others and help them as we can with the Word of God, and Lord, that we would uh, we would rejoice uh, having fellowship with you and knowing how tangible and real it is. Oh, heavenly Father, we we thank you uh, this morning for your Word, for your Church, and for your way, Lord. You are the Word of Life. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, we have a we have a little bit of business to do uh, as we conclude. Uh, um, Randy, I'll go ahead and have you come, and then I've got to do the new members, so I'll do them last.
1: Before he comes back up, I just want to give a couple of quick announcements. It's more of a reminder than anything else, is nothing really new, but um, uh, there on the uh, the bulletin is this little strip of paper you can write on your attendance and. We really need you to turn those in. If you're here today, please turn them in. Drop it off in the box by each door as you go out. Same thing for your offerings. If you want to turn that in uh, manually, you can do that, or you can do that online, so just as a reminder of that. Um, And then um, for those that are new members or just new attending here, you want to kind of catch up with what's going on and keep keep track of what's going on here at HBF. Be notified of things, because you may not be on all of the various distribution lists that we have here. we have quite a few of them. Uh, but you can text a number, uh, text the word uh, HBF Guest to 94000. And from that point, you'll start getting information from uh, the church about things that are happening, situations that are occurring, whatever that may be. So I want to encourage you to do that that should be in the bulletin as well. You can follow up with that. And then um, uh, two, two events that are coming up fairly quickly is that uh, first off is Church in the Park. I want to mention that that's uh, the first Sunday in June, and uh, we want to start preparing for that. We need your prayer for that, We need for especially for good weather. We haven't had a, a rain out yet, um, so we well, still need to pray for that. Um, and uh, we need to um, uh, invite people to come out to that, so be prepared for that. We're doing the uh, taking to the streets, I think, the 30th of May, uh, to do just as an invite. But you don't need to wait till the 30th of May to invite people to come to the church in the park. You just invite people to come hang out at the park. Oh, by the way, there's church, kind of like that. And then uh, the, the second thing is sign up for volleyball, or I'm sorry, v, VBS. If you have young children, uh, they're going to want to be part of VBS. So you can find the information online, and there's a sign-up form online that you can uh, get there. That's uh, June 21st, I believe. So we're just a few weeks out from that. Uh, it sounds like it's a long way, but if you, you get to keep your children registered now, then the then the leaders of the v, uh, Vacation Bible School can plan all that they need to plan so they know how many kids are coming. If we wait until the last minute, they won't be ready for you. So go ahead and get that taken care of. And then uh, the last thing is on May 30th, which is a couple Sundays from now, we're having the Lord's Supper. And uh, so we're going to fellowship around a meal and, and Jesus Christ. So keep those things in mind. And um, I just want to mention one thing, too. If, you know, if, if 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 any of the messages that you hear on Sunday morning move you, but you don't want to respond or you don't feel like you're ready to respond to an invitation on Sunday morning from Brian, this is just something I was thinking about. Please call the church any time during the day. Ask for a pastor. Uh, contact anybody here that you know that's already a member. And say, "Hey, I want to. I want to take him take the pastor up on his invitation." You, can, you don't have to do that on Sunday. You can do it any day, any time during the week. So I just want you to be aware of that. Thanks.
0: That's a good word. Randy just filled in all kinds of things for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> so um, that is really true too. If, if God's stirring in your heart. And uh, anything, you know, take that next step um, and make sure you don't allow the world of flesh and the devil to rob you. Uh, I'll be quick here. I know we're a little little over. uh, We have new members from last week. We had Ray Vallejo. Ray, you come on up. I mean, Ray's already a member, but that's a weird discussion. So anyway, we're going to bring Ray up, and I appreciate his example, actually, of uh, humility and, and getting baptized. And Tom Merritt, and we missed you last month, Tom, so I'm sorry about that. So I think you had it in on time. I don't know what happened. But come on up here, brother. These guys, it's good to have men uh, joining the, getting saved and joining the church. Now, Tom's been saved a little while. But uh, it's also awesome to see God work in your life, Ray. So I'm just, uh, I'm just excited about all God's doing. So if you're if, uh, in favor of seeing these guys join HBF, say a hearty amen. Amen. All right. Oh, Ray, I forgot to give you this. But I know you'll use it, brother. So there you go, brother. God bless you. All right, let's stand, and and, uh, and we'll have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Make sure you congratulate these guys. If you don't know them, uh, then, man, make sure you grab uh, Tom. I know, and maybe you've never met Ray. Ray hides in the booth up there with his wife, uh, working on the uh, AV, does a good job up there. So uh, make sure you let these guys know you love them, appreciate them, pray for them. You know what? When people are moving forward with God, there's opposition. Spiritual persistence brings satanic resistance. So, uh, man, for all of us. Keep going forward, right? Be encouraged and be full of the Word of God. Uh, Have a love for other people, and God will fill your cup with joy. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity today just to meditate upon your Word. Lord, I'm thankful for having an insight to the heart of the Apostle John, uh, the one who leaned upon your breast, the one who uh, didn't ask, is it me? Ask, who is it? Lord, I pray that would be us, Lord, that we would be absolutely uh, persuaded, convinced, to, to overflowing. Uh, with faith lord so that other people would know who you are the power of your resurrection that we like the apostle paul would be happy to give our lives for the sake of others and bring great joy Lord, i pray god that the things that uh, we're meditating on lord that we give ourselves holy to them and that the profiting would appear to all thank you for these men lord i pray for ray and, and uh, his family i pray god for tom and uh, lord i just ask lord that you provide for them Lord, that you protect them that you would also propel them forward in faith, Lord, to give them everything they need from this local church. Help us to minister to them in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. And, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for building your church, knowing the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank your child's worker, too, on the way out. God bless you. (laughs) No, I didn't. Oh, no. When did you send that? I didn't see one. I looked at him but I
1: didn't see one. That's weird.